0: Listeners, welcome back to The Business of Wellness. This week's episode is fantastic. I just had the pleasure of re-listening to it, and I cannot wait to share it with you for the first time. My guest today is Chris Smith. He is the co-founder of Curator, which is one of the Inc. 500 fastest growing businesses. He's also one of the four best marketers under 40, according to the American Marketing Association. And he came on The Business of Wellness to chat with me about his book, which is called called the conversion code. Chris used the blueprint of his book of the conversion code to quickly grow his own company to eight figures in annual recurring revenue without raising any venture capital, which is honestly incredible. Every time I read that, it really blows my mind. His work has been featured in Adweek, Forbes, Fortune, and many other publications. The book is a blueprint for helping you, helping me, helping us (laughs) to increase lead conversion rates, reduce your cost per lead, and to improve your overall ROI from marketing and sales. If you work in any area of marketing, of content marketing, of um, lead generation, or if you are on the ground working, working in a Salesforce as part of a sales team, you are definitely going to want to listen to this, but I will say that I asked Chris a question at the end and I loved his answer to this. I asked him specifically about what it means for service providers, like dietitians, like health professionals, what, how do we apply the conversion code to our work? And I think you're definitely going to want to hear his reply to all of it. As always, I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. You can share it with me by leaving a five star rating and a gracious, wonderful, loving review. It can even be in the form of an emoji. I mean, you know, I say this frequently listeners, I did get a few amazing new reviews. So I've got to give a shout out to whoever, whoever left these fantastic reviews. Thank you times a thousand. I am always keeping an eye out. So absolutely leave a review for me and share with me your feedback about today's episode. Tell me who you would like to hear from on an upcoming episode. I am always looking for new guest ideas, although I do have some fantastic ones coming up. I think you're going to be excited. Anyway, I'm going to let Chris Smith talk. I will also just share that this is the perfect timing for this interview, especially as we are here finally now in the first quarter of 2023. And also it's a really interesting listen after last week's episode. So if you did not yet have a chance to listen to last week, episode with Amy Gorin, I would definitely recommend that. There's no particular order. These were done totally separate from one another, but it is really interesting to hear their opinions uh, juxtaposed from week to week. So I'd love to hear what you think of that too. I personally loved it, but you know, I'm here to serve you, my listeners. All right, let's get to the interview.
1: I could not have asked for a better guest today because I really, I have so many questions for you and yet so little time. So we really need to dive in. But before we do, before we really get to it, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us how you got started. How did you become the conversion mastermind? Let's start there.
2: Yeah. Well, I think (laughs) I came from the cubicle. So I I did boiler room sales like you would see in the movies, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, the boiler room, the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I wasn't selling penny stocks, but it was close. And (laughs) I learned how to basically sell things to strangers on a cold call. And I was learning from some of the masters that were so good in the eighties, they went to jail and, but (laughs) I didn't know any of this at the time. I was just taking notes and like, it worked like to be clear, a lot of the things that they teach works. So for me as a kid from the country and I was moral and ethical growing up, I, I got myself out of that environment, but then I was kind of smart enough to realize if you apply the tactics to something that's actually positive, what they're teaching is awesome. It's just that if you use call it manipulation or reverse psychology, like whatever, whatever you would call the trick, Mm. if you use it to sell evil stuff to people that don't need to buy it, like, yeah, you're a bad person, but over time, and how did I become the conversion specialist? I went and sold loans and vacations and software and shoes and consulting services and books and keynote speeches. And I finally realized that no matter what the price point, no matter what the industry life insurance, whatever it may be, there's a science to selling. Mm. And there are, there's a, a way to have a conversation with a person that's better for both people And I love doing it. I love teaching it, writing about it, researching it. And then once you're great at that, then you want a bunch of people to talk to. So you need leads. And for that part of my life, marketing, social, personal brand, video content, that just came very naturally. Uh, I was a sales guy and I was traveling so much that late at night, I would try YouTube or try Facebook or send an email. And this was very, very early. And so I was just sort of teaching and giving people the same knowledge I was giving during the day at my office appointments, but I started doing it on the internet and that grew me a really good following. And I was able to build a business and a speaking career and become an author and stuff I never even had on my goal board, quite frankly. Um, So it's been a a really fun ride.
1: That's fantastic. So the conversion code is the name of your book which i am thrilled about and i have read quite a bit about but my copy has yet to arrive which is very upsetting chris i can't even tell you i checked i just went to go check this morning and i thought oh no I like that you're being honest
2: here. and yeah, we'll no, make to sure be. we fire the PR person. Oh. <laughs> Do not worry.
1: <laughs> no, no, I bought it. Come on. Listen, as a fellow author, I'm not messing around. Ah, I mean, come on. I know Thank what it's you. like. Every sale I'll scrap counts. for every sale. Exactly. <laughs> every sale counts. So, no, no, I bought this. Um, but I but here's what here's what I know is that one thing that I was it was really that really got me extra interested in receiving the book and and why I'm so excited to read it is that a lot of the the descriptions, the um, the ways that or the videos that I've watched of you, the things that you speak about, the topics that are are top of mind for you are so relevant to this very moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine for our listeners that when this airs, that will be exponentially that much more true. Sure. But one thing I wanted to start by asking you about is mm-hmm. what, does what amazing marketing mean for you? What, how do yeah. you define that term and how do you explain it to your clients or to audiences or to people, your audience?
2: Yeah. I, th- well, you just made me think of a famous, Talk track from David Ogilvy, the legendary ad man. Mm. And in his definition, it was marketing is amazing when it can drive awareness and sales. If it does not make the cash register ring, we do not call it amazing. And I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. as someone who started in sales, that really resonates with me. So I've never really been really okay with fluffy KPIs. I like followers and traffic and likes and engagement and video views and podcast downloads. Mm -hmm. I love all of that stuff, but a lot of people aren't really sure if that works. And and so for me personally, you know, I wanted to make sure that when I put out marketing, it drives awareness and think of that as content marketing Mm -hmm. and that it drives sales, which is bottom of the funnel marketing or product marketing, whatever Mm -hmm. your type of sales marketing is. And I think you can do both. Now it isn't so much, here's a 25 second video in the last five seconds, I'm going to sell you something. Mm. It's more so that the enthusiasm and the content marketing and the expertise that you share, that's free, that's not trying to sell people stuff can make you an authority that will then cause people to want to figure out what you sell. And that's when the magic happens. When they want to know what you sell versus you telling them what you sell that's when you've built a true inbound lead that Mm. is inbound marketing uh that people talk so much about
1: such that's Mm. it's such a good point and yet and it makes complete sense and the way that you Mm. (laughs) said it is so perfectly clear and yet i've found uh, on a personal level and also just observe as a as a consumer of content Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. everywhere because you know, not to not to really if you are going to um, borrow from Olga V, I will borrow from Nora Ephron, who who famously has said everything is copy. And I I would argue that everything mm-hmm. is content in in yeah. a sort of modified version. Right. Mm-hmm. So so in some ways, it's almost like content marketing is everything. But I have found this to be what you just described to be so damn difficult mm-hmm. to actually put into real action and to actually put, you um, you know, to actually put some KPIs against, right? Like that that it can be that much more challenging when Mm -hmm. you know that there's so many different places that people can consume information, right?
2: Yeah. Well, what happens is if you stop trying to create KPIs that don't really matter Mm -hmm. and you actually have enough signals that it's working, just push. Yeah. I, I mean, I call it, use your gut and look at your growth. If you feel like this podcast is great mm. and your business has been growing significantly since this podcast started, I don't think you need to log into Libsyn right. and look <laughs> at the metrics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, like right, I'm good. Right. But w- when things are not quite clicking, that should be something to go kind of figure out what's broken. Right. So if you try to attribute everything and connect every dot, you won't. But I'll, I'll give you an example about TikTok. Are are you using TikTok yet?
1: I love TikTok. I really, I don't want to, but I just love it.
2: But can you imagine that a lot of maybe realtors, lawyers, lots of folks would say, yeah, what's the ROI of TikTok? How's that going to lead to any business? Totally get it. Well, for me and for what I do for a living, I put out my videos and one of the top five insurance companies for life insurance in the country, Mm. their CEO was watching my videos. He messaged me and set up a call and he hired me and gave me a ridiculous speaker fee. And he was quoting my TikToks back to me. He was like the one where you said this, and then that other one where you mentioned this, he's like, that's the stuff we want you to say. And it was just like, wow. So for me, and and this may be the blue collar, you know, way that I think of doing things, I don't ever need to look at my analytics ever again. Uh, I will never question the ROI. I, as long as I get that moment, I'm good. Ironically, that moment happened twice in the same day. It was a guy that was the number one chiropractor in Illinois, 19 locations throughout the state wanted me to come to a sales huddle back to back. It just happened to be the same day. And I was like, cool
1: wow that is amazing but now here's the thing so so not to get too granular or Mm -hmm. stuck on this topic because i have many more questions for you but i I do but i think this is actually important for people to hear which is Mm -hmm. that this i have struggled with this over since become since being a small business owner myself right like since Mm -hmm. starting my own consulting shop essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how long do you give a specific test let's say Like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I'm gonna continue with my, you know, and this has actually been something that I have been working on. In my own work, right, which is that I'm going to continue to create content that I think is meaningful and also sure. hits a number of different notes, right? And I'm going to give this, you know, some ample runway mm-hmm. because algorithms change, and there's always going to be differences in platforms, and we can yeah. talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's a perfect, like that gives me so much excitement to hear to hear that from you because, first of all, it has definitely, I have definitely seen an increase in awareness right i haven't i've gotten a number of things off the ground this year as a result of Mm -hmm. creating more content right Mm -hmm. but i haven't had quite i haven't had i'm waiting for my life insurance call Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. of thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so my my bigger question is it seems like the ball is rolling but like Mm -hmm. how long would you give a test Of something like that, whether it's for me or for someone who's listening, who's also like, how much content do I need to do to like start seeing, you know what I mean? So I think and I know it's such a tricky one to answer, but I'd love to hear you give it. Well, a there's
2: there, I do believe there's sort of two types of tests, which would be more of a micro versus a macro, you know, starting a podcast is a macro test. That's a commitment. Right. It takes time, effort. You got to book guests. Mm. So that one, you can't really date that one. You got to kind of marry that one if you're going to do it, Right. <laughs> but the, you can do these right. little micro tests all the time. So right. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, I will go on Twitter and whatever I tweet that does the best, I'll screen grab and throw on IG. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that for me is sort of like, okay, well, that was a very, very minimal way to see if it's working. It worked on Twitter. It worked there. So that could be something that if it doesn't work, I quit right away. Mm-hmm. If it does work, I do another one. So, I, you know, that one's very low risk. You're trying one thing that already did pretty good somewhere. You know, right. you, you you go try it somewhere else. I totally get that. But what what would your question specifically, when I mm-hmm. think about like being in your spot and saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how many episodes should I do? How many TikToks should I get? How, how many, you know, mm-hmm. how long should I give it? Wh- what I thought of when you said that, Jacqueline, was Hollywood, because totally. I totally moved- like I moved there when I graduated college yeah. and that is something that a lot of people do They I'm going to give this five years, right? I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to give it a couple of years and see Right. Right. Because right. it's such an ambitious goal that yeah. you have to sort of hedge your bet and say, well, if by 30,
0: right. I haven't gotten a role, <laughs> I'm right. moving
2: back home, like whatever that is. And you know, what is, th- what happens in the real world, mm. in the real world, your success comes down to talent and effort. Yep, That's it. If you're really great at acting and you put in the work, you're going to make it. The issue is that if you're bad at acting, the amount of time it would take to catch up and even become good or decent, it's probably not worth that investment. Mm. So when I think about a podcast or when I think about a new TikTok account or a Twitter account, or maybe a YouTube show. Like I do all this stuff all the time too. Mm-hmm. You know, I have gravitated Jacqueline towards doing big meaningful things because for me, that's more gratifying. So yeah. I personally enjoy books. I personally enjoy long form conversations with people like you, yes. you know, I personally, like for me, that's the thing that I love to do. So anyway, when I think about that, because it's an interesting question, it's a challenging question. I do think that some things you can put an expiration date on, like, I'll tell you one that I did recently, the Chris list. I thought it was the most self-centered idea I've ever come up with. And I've come up (laughs) with a lot of them. Like I have a thing called the 12 days of Chris Smith. I've made it very clear that my favorite public speaker is me. Like I'm, I'm in right. And So I was coming up with this idea because I read these email newsletters that I love and they're quick little snippets and it's like five little blurbs and like Morning Brew, The Hustle. There's all these great newsletters. And I wanted to do one for myself. And I was just trying to come up with a little name for it, give it a little brand. Mm -hmm. And somehow I thought of the Chris list and each letter was an acronym. And it was content, how to research, inspiration and stats. (laughs) And so I put it out there into the world. And I didn't think I would do an email newsletter for the rest of my life. Right, But now I'm committed to this forever because it yeah. worked and I love it. So this is the other piece, Jacqueline. Yes. Do you love it? Cause that's the one I think probably what causes us to quit is the lack of enjoying it even more mm-hmm. so than it not working because like, I did quit acting, but I didn't even care that it wasn't working. I lived in Hollywood. I see famous people every weekend. Like I did not care if I made it or not. Fun fact, I was on Buffy.
1: I loved Buffy. Thank you. Where At, is in the Buffy? background.
2: I... I was in the background. But
1: Chris, that's awesome. Okay. You see what I'm saying going... though? So yes. like,
2: I loved it. Same thing with basketball. I thought I was going to be in the NBA. I wasn't, but I loved it. So I didn't care. So for me, I love these conversations with you. I love researching and writing. I love speaking on stage. So I just try to avoid the stuff I don't really enjoy doing. And that's hard to do when you have people telling you to be everywhere and do everything that, you know, you get that FOMO, like that you have to try to tackle every platform. And, And I don't think that you should, you know?
1: Interesting. I think, well, first of all, I think that is really fantastic advice because I think ultimately, and this is where I have been landing, which I think Mm -hmm. I think really speaks to your point, which is that doing the the or creating content because for no reason is maybe it there, it still feels like a a kind of figuring this out game. So sometimes those will be the things that perform really well, but most of the time creating content that I love Mm -hmm. is usually what is, is going to do the best or have Yeah, like with reels and stuff.
2: I look at people's accounts all the time, Jacqueline, the ones that they do that are like goofy, but they're actually like on trend for the platform, right? They kill it and they love doing it and they get, Exponentially more views than when they do like, "Hi, this is the real estate market update for right. New Jersey for John." <laughs> like, no one cares. So, I I think that like, right. what what some people do lack is it's it's sort of you got to put that mortar between those two bricks. You know, and I'm just sort of lucky because the thing that I happen to love and I'm passionate about is marketing and sales. So all the content I create is about that. And then that's what I sell is, you know, whether it's services or products or advice, you know, I have a pure line all the way through that does make it a little bit easier to get those messages like I got on TikTok at the same time. What you may be missing is just really good and well-timed right hooks,
1: right? Because right. that is am.
2: probably scarier to do, at least for me, that's scarier than the content. Yes. I love the content stuff. But when I have to actually ask for the business or right, I freak out. So what I do is I say, I'm gonna do what I love. I'm gonna teach a class, and I'm gonna get as, I'm gonna get way more people register for that than if I try to get them registered for a webinar to sell my stuff anyway. And then I got 45, 55 minutes to show them my deep expertise, which I can't Mm -hmm. do in my reels every day. Mm -hmm. And then after 45 minutes of impressing them, I can do a high quality five to 10 minute sales pitch without anybody even getting mad. So that is something where when I talk about the mortar, it's sometimes just strategy. I I don't want people to give up without being strategic that I I hope that's not what it, no not at all i think it's totally
1: clear i Mm -hmm. i think that's actually such a great point and it's it's funny that you say that because that was was this was what's going to be one of my next questions for you which actually i would love you to expand on which is that there are such different approaches and strategies for different platforms so without without because everyone does need to read the conversion code myself included i i wouldn't Mm -hmm. want you to go too far down this rabbit hole but can you give us a little bit of a brief overview Mm -hmm. let's say instagram TikTok. YouTube for short form. And then if there's a long form Mm -hmm. that you want to add in there that would be outside of this, I'd love to hear that, too.
2: Well, one of the nice things and this is sort of unlike social media advice in the past where, you know, people would like hit you with the ruler on the hand if you posted the same thing in two different places. You know, you weren't supposed to just post it once everywhere. Like Hootsuite, remember, it would just send it everywhere. And like, that was easy. But then it was sort of like, yeah, but we don't want your hashtags from your tweets, like pushing into your Facebook stuff. So unfortunately, that never sort of landed the the idea of syndicating content. Well, with vertical short videos, it did. Reels, TikToks, and shorts do not need to be different. They can And they should when you can pull that off. Mm -hmm. But this is like, for me, I love it because A, I can make one thing and put it in all three places you just mentioned. Mm. And then B, those are the things that get the most organic, free traction right now too. Right. So if I'm, if you were to tell me you you got one thing you can post on social media for the next 12 months, it would, it would be short vertical videos because I feel like that's a good ROI of my time. Cause I put out a reel and get 10,000 views or 13,000 views or, you know, I, I, and I don't even have to boost it. You know what I'm saying? So I I think for me, uh, and then it's about, okay, if I'm going to do short vertical videos, what's the science Mm -hmm. behind a compelling one that does good. Mm-hmm. and i can i'll save you a couple google searches uh it's all the same a compelling opening hook
1: with well, the opening right? hook, let's <laughs> talk more about that yeah. let's talk more about the compelling mm-hmm. opening hook what what is the what is the what are some characteristics of what makes for a good hook
2: yeah i try to use what's called jolting mm. like and and so as an example Um, if, um, I, I did a video recently on craft and, you know, they did this campaign called send nudes and it bombed and and they got murdered on social media. It was like a blurred out (laughs) Mac and cheese box. And it's like,
1: so So it was like, Hey, craft, if you're listening, call me.
2: (laughs) It's like, Hey, craft, your, your demographic is kids that eat. You know, I personally still get it. My wife makes fun of me, but their primary demographic are children. Yeah. Any campaign involving send nudes should never be run by a brand, probably any brand, maybe only Craft. fans or something, but not exactly. an actual kid's food brand. So anyway, like for that one, you know, it was just like, instead of even maybe saying like, did you hear what Kraft did? Like, can you believe what Kraft did, da, 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 da. Like I, I w- in that one, I think the hook that I used was something along the lines of like, is this the biggest marketing mistake ever made?
1: Yes. The answer is yes.
2: But, but, <laughs> but you would yeah, listen, I like the hook. You yeah, know, of course, of course. It versus yeah. like, did you see Craft's new ad? Oh my God, you have no idea. Like, they yeah. priority already swiped. Right. So the first three seconds are, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've created content for a long time and maybe blogging or, uh, you know, they always tell you that the headline is worth more than the whole blog post, the title, because 80% read that 20% read the article. And there's other formats where the, the same kind of ideology is true in email, you know, your subject line and your first sentence are critical to even getting the rest of the email seen. So the, the three second rule, if you will, with vertical Mm -hmm. videos is just like that stuff, but in a video version.
1: Yes. I love that. I love that. And I also just wanted to take us on this, you know, 30 second tangent for a moment to ask you if you had seen, um, that it, because I have this very vivid memory of seeing crafts campaign, done, <laughs> their TikTok campaign in oh, 2021, no. that was a craft me skip. And it was like, essentially like a music, it was music-based was perfect for the, for paid media on TikTok. It was like yeah. a very brilliant idea. And yeah. what, oh, how the mighty have fallen. What well, no, miss. all
2: it is, is you swing, <laughs> you're going to miss, you right. are going to miss. I say, don't yeah. miss too big. I'm, I'm all right. about taking some chances, but yeah. You know, you got to run that one by PR. It's funny. Just (laughs) on the side note of blurred things, this is blurred money.
1: Whoa. I was like, wait, I'm not seeing that right. Yeah. This is
0: blurred
2: money. There's a company called Mischief and everybody should follow what they're doing. It's M-S-C-H-F. So the word mischief with no vowels. Oh, I like
1: it. Oh, mischief without vowels. And
2: they are amazing. And the drops they do build tons of buzz. Like I just bought a pair of gobstopper shoes.
1: Whoa. That
2: like as you wear them, they wear down and like kind of like a gobstopper, how it changes colors as you eat it. Like they did the viral campaign with Little Nas X with the blood in the shoe. I don't know if you remember the Satan shoes with real human blood in the shoe, that was them. Their their campaigns and their drops sometimes are controversial. They definitely are willing to go there, but it is really inspiring how creative they are. And so they are the ones I'm watching. So, you yeah. know, people always ask me, who do you follow? What are you? mischief? It's because it's like scarcity, exclusivity. Yeah. I wish I could show you the email thread for this fake money That's because amazing. I... DM'd my business partner as yeah. soon as they dropped it. I got the push alert. I bought it right away. You know why? Because I already bought their blurred out Indian money and I saw how much it was worth on StockX and I knew the $100 bills would be the most popular one. So I bought two of them right away. One to put on my desk and do an- interviews like this. One's yeah. over there in a box. I'll never open it. I'll keep it for 50 years. Hopefully 50 years.
1: From <laughs> Amazing. To see how much Amazing. it's worth.
2: But I literally, I text my business partner. I'm like, dude, go buy a couple. And he was busy and I screenshotted. It was on st- StockX 20 minutes later worth five times more than I paid.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Good for you. I'm proud mm-hmm. of that. I'm proud so of mischief, that. I like to hear it. Scarcity.
2: Yeah exclusivity creativity the way they work in the real world stuff to Mm -hmm. the like they actually got holy water from rome Mm
0: -hmm.
2: from uh, and they put it in a seltzer called like jesus spritzer (laughs) like like i'm telling you next level stuff so yeah check out mischief
1: So here, so on this, so here's my other question, because this actually Mm -hmm. is quite, is quite the perfect pivot from holy water to,
0: (laughs) to, to
1: holy, right, exactly. (laughs) Which is, which is that what, how does your, because I know that you work with brands that sell products and you also work with brands that sell services and how, how exactly do you distinguish between your strategy when working with each of those more specifically?
2: Sure. Yeah. It's fun for me because thankfully, because I have my book and stuff, I get to do tons of more e-com DTC, you know, yeah. some of those buzzwords I get right. to kind of play with, with the book, but then on the services side, like our average revenue per user at curators over $2,000 per month. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they have an ad spend too. And so the biggest difference is that I can't get them to click and buy. I have to speak to them. Right. You know, even if they love me, even if my marketing's great, I still need a high quality salesperson to figure out if it's great for that person.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So say more on that. So what does that what does that entail?
2: Well, it entails asking amazing questions because you can't sell someone a solution that they need if you don't establish a problem that they have. Yes. And so if I were in the services business, I would figure out what are five, eight, 10 questions that I can ask that anybody doing my job wouldn't ask. So let's pretend they're shopping around for a realtor, you know, professional services. What what is a question, Jacqueline? You're not a realtor. What do you think a realtor would ask a lead on the phone as far as like a question they would ask them? Let's say it's a buyer.
1: Uh, Where are you looking to move? (laughs)
2: amen exactly (laughs) they they may say what zip code they may say you know what neighborhood or what school district right but they're going to say some version of location right and so what i try to help people do is come up with a cooler way or a more clever way or more creative way to to ask that same question so in this example uh and i was working with a client recently we basically said hey When you get up to go to work each morning, what is the farthest drive? Like, what is the longest commute that you're willing to deal with? Yeah. And so then it's like, like, is, are are you looking for 30 minutes or less? Are you looking for, you know, 45 minutes or less? Like how are, maybe it's 10 minutes or less. And so then you're talking about that and it's like, well, I, at least 30, 40 minutes. Okay, great. Where do you work? Hmm. And then I can draw a circle around that five miles. And now I don't need to ask you where you're looking.
1: Right, right, right. So I, but I did
2: ask you where you're looking. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, so things like price, location, why are you moving? Like, what features do you want in your next home? Like, I get that there are questions one must ask. Mm-hmm. But there are also questions you get to ask. Yeah. So what I try to do is kind of flip it instead of leading with the kind of boring qualifier, I work backwards into that.
1: Right. So interesting, such a great, and such a great point. And so, so that's, so having those people and so training, those people becomes Mm -hmm. that much more both integral to, to your business, but it also seems like it's gotta be the thing that you are the most passionate about doing also. So well, really what's what I, full yeah. Circle.
2: yeah, yeah, it <laughs> does. And, and what's so great is, you know, I'm a little mean to the marketing people on the salespeople's behalf. You know, I feel like I represent the sales team when I meet with marketing people and right. I, I have a line that, you know, in my little world definitely went viral, which was if marketing people had to call the leads, they generate, they would fire themselves You know so and so and then but meanwhile if sales people had to create the marketing campaigns there wouldn't be any leads that were good or bad
1: right yeah so Very it's true. for
2: what a big part of my job is actually almost like you know a therapist between the two parties and yeah. getting them to understand that they're actually one team and it you know their job is to convert leads and the way that leads are converted is dictated by both you know marketing if they have a form with 10 questions that's Mm -hmm. really juicy sales will love those leads you know but if marketing has the email only and they ask why aren't you guys converting any of these leads it's like because we don't have their phone number
1: right
0: (laughs) right
2: because the lead magnet that you're offering isn't compelling enough ma'am that's why you know like so you, you you should see the data some of it's in the book but like the data around just alignment yes between messaging and marketing and sales it is so impactful you almost could pr- you probably could generate more revenue next year by fixing that than by yeah. doing anything else new if you're a services business like you mentioned if i'm so a law firm if yeah. i'm a financial advisor one other real quick tip for service businesses mm-hmm. you can never miss a call yes You can never miss a call. And so there's a company called Ruby. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's Ruby, the receptionist. And it's basically people that answer your phone when it rings, if you can't. So they'll say how many times you want yours to ring before we pick up. They say what you want to say. So if I call and I'm looking for a marketing consultant, like yourself, Mm -hmm. And you don't pick up and they say, Hey, thanks for calling. Oh, Jacqueline's a little busy, but she's going to call you back later this afternoon. What exactly is it that you you know, reached out? Okay, great. Yeah. Well, I'll let her know. She'll be in touch It too. Thanks so much. Just that person yes. in a services business is so worth it because those inbound calls are why we work so hard.
1: Yes. Wait, can I, can I just, I need to share this with our listeners also is that my, the best thing I've seen recently on the internet Mm. is your video. That is what not to say uh, the, it was, and your hook was also fantastic. It was like, Mm -hmm. this is the only thing that you should not say basically (laughs) when making a phone call and it was, um, do you have a second to chat? Yeah, is now a good time. A, it, that's yeah. such a great point, and mm-hmm. I love it. I would love for you to to expand on on that point because I, I it was so perfectly well said and well made. Yeah. And in, in addition to to following you, which you know certainly we'll get to um, before you leave us, but the, sure. the we've we've got to we've got to go into that because mm-hmm. it's so perfectly well said.
2: Yeah. Tell us, Chris. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> if you want to keep saying how great it was, I will wait. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of these things where we don't do, like, we don't mean to do it. It it isn't, we're not meaning to make this mistake. It's actually more just a human being common courtesy thing. Like, Hey, how's it going? Or, Hey, is now a good time? You have a few minutes to chat. Like, did I catch you at a good time you're actually trying to do it? You're trying to be nice by doing it. Yeah. But the issue is that you're starting a sales call within literally the first second. And half of the answers to that question are no, you're giving, your, you're giving the person 50% to get you off the phone minimum. And you're, you're trying to do it pretty much. Right. Right. So like, that would be something that's a little different. I, I, I'll give you another example. Like when someone, I went through some mental health challenges mm. and it was really tough mm. and I was honest and transparent about it. And so for like a year or two afterwards, every single person, how's it going? Oh, how you doing? Oh, God. how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want I didn't want any of that. And I, I bet that happens for lots of people that go through tragedies or challenges. Yes. And I I hated it. How's it yeah. going? How you doing? Are you but okay? What am I supposed right. to do? Yeah. Uh, am I supposed to be rude and be like, quit asking me how I'm doing? Like, right. screw you. Like, I'm right. doing fine. Leave me alone. Th- they're just trying to be nice. Right. So while it bothered me, I never would condemn them for doing it. So yeah. it's kind of like with salespeople, I'm not going to condemn them for saying, did I catch you at a bad time? But I'm just going to recommend that they quit saying it. And yes. you might have to try on purpose not to say it because it is so natural to say, Like, hey, I call my wife. Hey, hon, you got a second? You busy? (laughs) I mean, we do it all the time. So like it's that is tricky. That's something where it's more about unlearning than learning.
1: Yes, so true. Great point. I love that much more. Many things are more about the unlearning than the learning. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before I before I let you go, I have two two more things we need to very specifically get to. So one of those is the, the perfect kind of bridge to this, which is that I think, I think, and you touched on this earlier as well, which is that so many of us have this tendency to get in our own way, right? The, the Chris, you almost didn't do the Chris list, which actually sounds quite brilliant and feels just like an adjacency to a Christmas list. And I like everything about that idea. I think it's very, very strategic and, and a great, um, great alignment on that. Mm -hmm. What, How, where do we start with getting, getting out of our own way, right? Like how would you, when, when you're advising people on this topic of, okay, I I, confidence is certainly not built overnight. It's not Mm -hmm. an automatic thing. We have to practice doing things to, to get anywhere or to feel better about it. Right. But Mm -hmm. how. How would you speak to someone who said, I'm just so I'm tired of talking about myself or um, I just feel like it's bragging or mm. um, I don't want to be so showy or whatever else it is that that mm-hmm. we say to ourselves that kind of trip us up and get in our own way?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I just want to be really clear because sometimes I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask that question because I don't try to convince people to do it. I tell them that if they're happy and things are good and they don't have business goals tied to it, like, mm-hmm. cool. I wish I had less of an addiction (laughs) to the opinions of others. Like I wish I didn't care how many followers I had. I'm actually jealous of those people because for me, like I'm in the arena, like I'm playing the game. I'm all in. And yes,
1: I I, I I actually try
2: to be careful because I know so many people are already telling them to do video and do this and Mm. do that, that it's like, you know what? It's 2023. Right. Like do, do I have to actually If I have to tell someone to do video, that's like saying, quit smoking.
1: (laughs) You don't need to say it. Such a good point. Such a good point. And I'm a former
2: smoker. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But like, you don't need to say it anymore because the person's heard it and they know it and they're going to need to have that breakthrough. You're not going to be the one that gives it to them. They're going to be the one that gives it to them. And again, (laughs) if something a isn't fun to do for them and B doesn't work Mm. quickly, Mm we're never going to do it. But you know what? This is why I love the people that do people like you, Jacqueline, people like me, because for those of us that do push through that, it's why the ROI can go through the ceiling because the supply and demand is out of whack. I I don't know if you ever heard this, but I think about 98% of the tweets are created by 2% of the People yes. tweeting, yes. Like, yeah, like, like the, the if you decide I'm a creator,
1: right?
2: I'm not a consumer. Right. I create content. I don't. And by the way, I do consume it to figure out what to create. Right. But see what I'm saying it's more <laughs> about like, yeah. Th- th- there has to be a moment where you say, "I'm a YouTuber." I told my wife this even recently. I said, "You know, it's taken me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I'm a writer."
1: Yeah. yeah Because like,
2: I, I, I write books. Yes. I write emails, I write courses, I write classes, I write speeches. Like I, I'm a writer and I didn't think that's what I would be when I grew up. Like, I'm not even that good at writing. Like you should see right. my Grammarly, it's blowing up half the time <laughs> I'm in there. But like, <laughs> you know, like once I started identifying as a internet personality who loves creating content, yeah. I never looked back. And so, like I said, I don't need anyone. I I will say, I did need people super super early to convince me to try TikTok. I pushed back yeah. on that super early, but I thought I think it was okay too. And there are times where I'll you know reject a new idea because I'm too busy yeah. on an old idea. But at the end of the day, get out of your own way if you feel the need to. I Jacqueline, I felt a calling since I was a young child to inspire people to be a public figure i wanted to be an actor i wanted to be an athlete now i'm an author like i like i have i can't not do it so that's why i don't really even know how to teach someone how to get out of their own way because i was never in my own way you know what i mean and so i can't relate to having to like now other stuff i go Mm. oh you want me to go learn how to speak portuguese because that's where my wife's from is brazil Mm -hmm. i can't relate I, right. I I absolutely I'm gonna be like them. I'm gonna go to Duolingo and I'm gonna quit the first day.
1: Right. And then I'm gonna right. get Rosetta
2: Stone and I'm never gonna use it.
1: Yes. You know. And this is yeah. what people
2: do with marketing stuff, right? So, I, I do relate on that side of just sort of having something I know I need to do that would make my life better that I just can't freaking push through and do. Learning a second language is that for me. Marketing content personal brand. I, I don't have that roadblock. And so anyway, the other little quick tip that we really should mention here mm. is that you can outsource content right now on the services, professional services side, it's harder, but the reality yeah. is curator was built on the back of my personal brand. Every customer and every employee, including my co-founder will tell you that we might've have well have called it Chrisator instead right. of curator.
1: Right. Right.
2: Right. So it, it is possible Yeah. To sort of scale without being the face of it. And I'll tell you why I know that there are companies in our space that we compete with that are much bigger than mine. Yeah. Like there's a company called Boomtown. I love them. My buddy Greer is the owner. There's a company called Wilopo. Lopo. I love them. My buddy Howard is the owner. I go back decades with these guys. They're amazing. They don't put videos on reels on TikToks <laughs> and giving tips every day. They think it's weird. I go to Greer's Instagram, he's fishing. That's amazing. <laughs> you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Though
2: I don't think that you have to do it this way.
1: There's one per way, se. Right?
2: And but if you go look at Boomtown, great content people, great marketing ideas, mm-hmm. great people on video that are on brand that represent the brand. You know, yeah. not, not everybody's a Chris. A lot of people are a Greer.
1: Yeah, L- yeah, probably
2: more people. And like right. I said earlier, I don't I'm not going to call Greer or text him and be like, hey, man, you need to be doing TikToks. Right. I'll, why am I only right. seeing fish? Right. He's <laughs> a millionaire. He doesn't he, <laughs> he likes the fish. Let him fish. You know, but let at let the same fish. time, he's not yeah. asking me why his personal Instagram isn't filling his funnel. Right. See what I'm saying?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. It is really, it's really, um, I I mean, I I think, I think that is the perfect, that's the perfect point to make also because i do think we've we've all been told this whether you you're doing what we are doing now mm-hmm. or if if you are not and feel this i i think i think i'm hearing it from all different places that a lot of people who may not actually benefit from this strategy are getting that advice and and it's like wait maybe that's not the way to to go about it for you so it really mm-hmm. is about like finding your own approach and really what works the best for you in a little trial and error, I've got to ask you my, my last question, because we do have a number of dietitians who listen to this Mm -hmm. podcast. So Mm -hmm. we are, we are technically quite known, well-known as a service (laughs) provider industry, right? Awesome. So, but I I would say that something that is a challenge that's unique to dietetics, to, to, Mm to people who are registered dietitian nutritionists is that all of us have a background that is both science and art. And when I say right. that, I mean that we are scientists, but nutrition science is actually a number of sciences put together. It's mm-hmm. psychology, it's biology, it's chemistry, it is um, microbiology, right? There's a number yeah. of sciences that go into that. There's also a number of different things that can come up as a as a human being who has to eat in order to live, yeah. including cooking and ordering out, and right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. all about the food. There's also the other side of it, which is the counseling and the talking to people and then the listening mm-hmm. to people and hearing what is specific to them and their needs mm-hmm. and their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So what what would you want to see mm-hmm. from a provider that would that let's say they're a generalist in this space, right? Mm -hmm. You are, you thought that you were a niche already when you became a dietitian, Mm -hmm. let's say. (laughs) And it's similar, you know, I think a lot of like, we see this on TikTok, right? You'll see Mm -hmm. an ER doctor is the one who started one of the greatest TikTok trends of like, you know, things like that. But is it, is it a question of branding oneself as a, as an expert on a specific health condition or Mm -hmm. a, you know, a specific life stage? I think that's, kind of limiting for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And I think there's a struggle there with how how to kind of help other dietitians to to bring the expertise of the profession mm-hmm. to life on a variety of platforms. So would love your your advice or your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, they always say the niches are in the riches. And it it, mm-hmm. it is, you know, overall it's a great thing to think about. And one thing to consider is you don't have to choose if your content's niche or not. You know, you can do niche content you know, mm. as a subset of your, you know, call it regular stuff. So, and and I, you know, I don't think like a dietician, but as you were saying that, mm. the first thing that came to mind is that you're selling something people are already sold on because they already know they need to lose weight. They already know they need to be healthy. It's like the cigarette thing. So mm-hmm. I don't need you to even spend any time on that. And I bet that's what a lot of people spend the time on. The the niche for me would be uh, with just the way my marketing brain works. As you were mm-hmm. talking through that, like which snack are they hooked on, Jacqueline?
1: Yeah, it's a good question specifically. Yeah, I which like
2: that. you see what I'm saying? Which yeah. junk food is it that they yes. have the addiction to? Or you know what I'm saying? Because if yeah. I, I see stuff all the all over says lose weight, but I've never seen something that said can you not stop eating Swedish fish. <laughs> yes, because if i saw that yeah. i would sign up for the course because yeah. i can't stop eating swedish fish right you know i remember i was watching a guy speak named eric thomas amazing mm. he told this story and he was talking about how every time he goes into the gas station the snicker bar starts calling his name from the aisle and he can hear it yeah this Well, how am i not gonna avoid it this literally says et come here right. you know <laughs> and because he was so specific with that example, every time I walk in the store now, I think about him. Yeah. Versus a more general, like, sugar's bad, carbs are bad, don't eat junk food. So, uh, and I would also just end with Noom, I think also tapped into this idea that like, we get it, that that you're trying to lose weight and we know you've tried and it just isn't working. Like, so, you know, that obviously is a huge Chunk of people, but I would probably say, like, have if you have tried Mm -hmm. Atkins, South Beach, Mm -hmm. keto, and this, if you've tried all four, yeah, and none of them stuck, let me talk to you for a second. Yes. See what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's so many different ways, and what you're just trying to do is create relevancy. (laughs) That's it you know? And right. so that's my point. Like you don't have to necessarily be relevant to everybody in every post. Sometimes your post will be real relevant to a couple people, but if your overall stuff's great, they're going to keep tuning in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So interesting and such great advice, Chris. I really appreciate it. I mean, what a joy this was. Thank you for your time. I mean, I really, I can't thank you enough. And I really feel like All of us, every dietitian Mm -hmm. listening and also everyone else listening really needs to buy the conversion code because uh, mine is on its way to me. And probably I have a hunch that it will probably have arrived by the time we get off this call, which is a sad state. In the meantime, where can people find you and where can people find the book?
2: Yeah, well, theconversioncode.com. That's the easiest one. I'm on Instagram. That's where I spend the most time. Chris underscore S M T H. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And you know, what's funny because you, this whole conversation, I kept thinking of one thing, which is like, cause you're, you're asking, you know, you're asking the questions everyone's asking, yeah. should I be doing this? Is it worth it? Is it worth right. my time? And I was just going to say like, you should, I don't know if everybody should, you should, you have the chops, <laughs> you look great on camera. You've got a great voice. You're a good interviewer. You're personable. Like, I don't know if you needed someone to tell you like word for word, like you're good at this. You're good at this.
1: I appreciate that. No problem. This is a great way to, that's a great <laughs> way to end. And on that note, definitely buy the conversion code. Yes, mic drop. <laughs> Thank you, Chris.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by
1: leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support, so if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide. It may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.